we need fellowship. Parenting is difficult. We are fallible. We are sinful. And uh, modern families are more isolated than ever. You know, in the Bible, we talked about God's you know, plan for families. And when the f- word families is used or household, it's not the nuclear family. Like most of us think family and now we're thinking mum, dad and X number of kids. That's, that's only a fairly recent modern thing. And those of you who come from, um, like me, come from um, ethnic cultures, migrant cultures, and you know that your parents and grandparents, when they talked about family, it was sometimes households was like three, four generations, cousins, aunties, uncles, everyone in those big... You know, that's much more the, the worldview of the, 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 um, the Bible. It's actually lots of what we call nuclear families all connected each other in a big family. Um, households across all generations, you know, grandparents, aunties, uncles, helping to raise your kids, cousins, you know, it was like that. That's not how we experience families nowadays. We're much more isolated uh, than we've ever been. And so it's, it's much harder. The good news is, of course, God places us in bigger households, i.e. the church. All right, so even though we do have isolation and much more nuclear family type situation in, in, in modern Australia, um, the gospel places us in bigger households where we're connected not just to other married people, but even single people. And, you know, and that's a wonderful thing. So we need to remind ourselves how God saves us not to be individuals, but to be part of a family, a bigger family, which means dads, fathers, you need spiritual fathers. Mums, you need spiritual mothers. Parents, you need pastors. Right? Because in Hebrews, it tells us that all of us are to spur one another to love and good deeds. The word spur is actually provoke. It's actually quite an active word. Right? We're to kind of prod each other to love and good deeds. And it's only going to happen with the one another stuff that happens within the context of fellowship. Now, I do want to for a moment talk to the men. So men, listen up. Dads, husbands. Because my experience is, and this is a generalization, won't be true in every situation, but my experience is that we are actually the ones that are behind on this one, the fellowship one, generally. Um, Dads go to Bible study less than mums. Dads take an interest in the kids' Sunday school teachers and youth leaders less than mums. So when I was a youth leader, it's almost always the mums who ask, how's my kid doing? When I, those of you who are Sunday school teachers, Karen has been, it's, it's almost always the mum asking how, you know, taking interest. Dads, we generally don't. As kids grow up, um, dads serve less than mums in ministries, even when your kids are less kind of toddler age. Um, so, you know, I kind of want to say to us men, you know, again, it's generally true, not always true, but um, God does put us as the loving servant leaders of our household. Um, when the Bible gives instructions about parents, it, it often just uses the shorthand fathers. <laughs> it's not just because the Bible is a patriarchal society, but because there is a real role for the men, for the dads, for the husbands. So I think men especially, we need more than ever um, to really step up in terms of fellowship. We need to lead our families so that, as parents, we have adequate fellowship. And men, you need to connect yourself in fellowship. Um, if we're talking about uh, modern families being more isolated than ever, can I just tell you, middle-aged men are even more isolated. You find any 35 to 55-year-olds that you might work with, all right, men, 
and just ask, as they approach their middle age, how many of them have good friendships? Fewer and fewer and fewer and fewer. How many women in their middle age have good friendships? Actually, generally okay, right? As men get older, and I know because I'm 42 this year, um, the guys um, that I, I meet who are non-Christian, um, if not for the fact that I meet them cycling, and that's our kind of thing, um, they would be really isolated, really isolated. Friendship circles shrink, especially for men. So men, especially, we need fellowship, and we need to take the lead in that. Now, the primary way that fellowship happens is obviously, um, you know, Sunday church, but you know how difficult that is to really engage sometimes. Um, we at SWEC really want to make it possible so that uh, midweek we also have chances to study the Bible and interact together. Now, that's called CGs, community groups. Now, a lot of you are happily plugged into normal CGs, week, weekday CGs, and generally um, you're, you're able to do that because you've only got one kid and one baby, okay, or one toddler. Um, as you have more kids, it becomes harder. Okay, And we've been trying to figure out what is the best way of getting families to be in CGs in a, in a realistic way, um, and especially mums and dads can somehow do it regularly, even if it's not weekly. Um, what we've come up with, and this is our suggested CG format, and it's not going to be applicable to everyone because some of you are already happily in your CG. So Ike, Tab, you got a CG meeting at your place um, with Matt and JJ in it, and they're happy to bring Noah to it. Great. Keep going. Keep doing that. All right? But this is our suggested CG format, which we hope um, those of you who aren't in regular CGs, or even if you are and you want to come to this because it just kind of broadens your um, fellowship amongst other people your stage of life, this is our suggestion. We'd like to get as many of you, especially men, to take the lead in, 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 in being part of it as possible. So let me show you what we have proposed. And this is a new thing. We're going to try it this year. We're going to do an all-in CG fortnightly on Saturdays from 3 to 4.30 p.m. It's an hour and a half. And here's our format. First half an hour, and you bring your kids, okay? Whatever age. We mingle. We have afternoon tea. We chat. 3 to 3.30. From 3.30 to 4.00. Mums will meet for Bible and prayer, really short. I think they can do it in half an hour. It's up to you, Karen. While the dads keep chatting and, you know, basically play with the kids or look after the kids or keep an eye out for the kids so they don't kill each other, all right? And then we swap at 4 p.m. And then the mums come for the kids, the dads meet for Bible and prayer. And if the mums didn't quite finish, the reason why mums go first, if the mums didn't quite finish praying and talking, they can continue onwards, okay? I'm... I've done Bible study with dads for ages. I know we can do it in half an hour. <laughs> I know we can. All right, so it's an hour and a half with really an hour of kind of solid Bible study. The first half an hour is just come and mingle. Um, we don't kick all the goals. Like in half an hour, you're not going to be able to get really deep into the passage. But you know what? It's better to do a little but frequently than try to do a lot and very infrequently. So that's what we're aiming for. But the other thing we're aiming for is this. Um, as big of a goal it is to read the Bible together, we want you guys to be able to talk and pray together. Like that's the most, that's probably just as important. Okay? So we, we, we aim lower for Bible input. We, we want the hour and a half so that you get a chance, mums and dads, to mingle together. And particularly dads. Like how valuable it is. How, how often would you get to just, you know... Hang out with a group of dads, you know, without your wives there. And you can, you know, talk about being dads or just be silly um, and just watch each other do that. And, you know, we don't get an opportunity to do that very often. So um, can I commend that to you? If, if this is something that you think would work for you um, 
and you're not part of a normal CG, give it a go. Uh, if it's kind of beyond about three couples, we'll probably have it here. If it's only like one or two couples, um, we might just have it at our place. But I think we'll aim to have it here because there's toys, there's crash, and you know, there's lots of room. Um, again, um, we're going to do that and we're going to start next week. And we're going to try and do it fortnightly. All right? So have a think about that and on your response uh, and feedback forms later on. We'd love to know if this is something that you'd like to be a part of so Karen and I can begin planning. But um, yeah, let me encourage you to do that. Which leads to my next point because I'll tell you what, even that is not going to be easy. Especially if you do have to travel a little bit. Um, because some of you might live closer to Bankstown and so on, I understand. Um, and that's the next one is we need to fight. Okay, remember the Bible says in Ephesians 6 that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the powers and principalities of this dark age. Satan, the demonic world, spiritual warfare. And one, one thing that you realize is the closer that something is to the plans and purposes of God, the more that it is attacked. And the more that is at stake when it's destroyed. It's like Satan's clever. He knows to go for the key things. Whereas, just think Church scandals and church conflict and disunity is so much more damaging. Why? Because the church is central to God's plans. And of course, nowadays the battle lines are where? Marriage and family. Do you see? Because if Satan can destroy marriages and kids and families, then that's going to have generational impact. It also destroys gospel witness. So expect that you're going to have to fight in this area above all areas. Because this is where God's plans are worked out, in your homes, in your families, in your households. So fight for these things by the power of God. So you need to firstly fight for your marriage, okay? Fight for your marriage because one of the best things you can, probably the best thing apart from knowledge of God that you can leave your kids with is a happy marriage. And that's hard when your kids are young. That's hard when you're tired. That's hard when your kids are older too. Fight for your marriage because long after the kids have grown up, you will still have each other. All right, remember, you're raising adults who are going to leave home. <laughs> and you still have each other. So we'll tell you about um, our marriage seminars coming out later in the year. And there's some flyers there for you. We'll tell you the date later. Fight for your marriage. Fight for gospel-centered families. Right, that idea of discipling your children in the Word and prayer, that's hard. Like, we try to do Bible devotion time on Mondays at dinner time. And it's hard because we, we have kids. I won't name them. <laughs> who, you know, at least one of them really doesn't want to do it. And you can just see it in their face every week. It's like, oh, not that again. Right? So you have to be so determined, even through the discouragement. And then, you know, try different things. Okay, if that's kind of boring for you, let's try something else. And just, you know, you have to fight to parent from those values and principles rather than being guilt driven by guilt, driven by inadequacy, or driven by just how you're raised. I was uh, talking to Tim um, back there and you know what, we talk about values-driven parenting, how your actions follow your values, but a lot of times our actions also betray what our true values are. So when it, at the end of the day, if as an Asian parent, I cannot imagine that any of my kids would not go to university. But, you know, we talked about the values. One of our values isn't success and prestige. But if at the end of the day, my, one of my kids says, no, I want to, you know, I want to do a trade, and I'm like, no way in hell then actually shows what my real value is. Do you see what I mean? So our actions also betray our real values. Now, whether they go to university or not, right, it can come from values, but don't default into values from your actions because it does work backwards as well. So you need to fight for those things. Fight to come from principle, values, 
biblical driven values rather than just, you know, you need to fight for fellowship. So that, like, you know, getting to CGs, even if it's a midweek CG, and especially when you've got little kids and we're just trying to just try out this format of CGs in the hope that also when some of you have more than one kid and it's, you know, not feasible to have a midweek CG at meeting at your place anymore or whatever, that you'll be able to slot into this. Um, even that's going to be really hard. Like Saturday afternoon, I want a nap at three o'clock. Okay? Um, you've had a busy working week. Right? Saturdays are precious family times. There's always going to be something else that you'd rather do, but you need to fight for that. Um, because good and godly parenting costs. And so the question is always, are you willing to pay the price? Like if I told all of you today, especially you dads, you'll resonate with this. If I said to you, in 20 years' time, right, you could have $20 million. But what it would take is daily sacrifices, some of which will be difficult and costly. But it's certainly going to be persistent, but you won't get a payout for 20 years. But at the end of 20 years, it's 20 million bucks for you and your family. I think a lot of us would be like, okay, I know it's going to be hard, but it's worth it. 20 million, right? Think of what you could do with that. Think of how valuable that is. Well, you know what? Your kids are way more valuable than $20 million, right? Way more valuable, <laughs> Tian. They're way more valuable than 20 million. <laughs> okay? But it will cost you. Like, you, you have to fight for that, and you're going to make those sacrifices. It is costly, and it may be costly not just financially, cost careers and cost all those kind of things. But the value, again, it's not just the value of them as kids, it's the value of them becoming adults. And, you know, most of them statistically will have families of their own. So you think about the legacy that leaves. Um, there's a, there's a uh, Jonathan Edwards, um, a Puritan theologian pastor, they traced his descendants um, 200 years later and the number of his descendants that are like, not just, you know, godly Christian pastors, but even those who aren't Christians were like senators and congressmen. And, you know, just one family, one marriage can have such a broad impact, um, legacy, generationally. Um, the reason why Karen and I decided to have, well, one of the reasons why we decided to have more kids, we got four, is, um, it's kind of silly, but, you know, the birth rate in Australia is now below two per family. And we figured, you know, if every family has two, I know some, some of us can, some of us can't, if every family has two, three or more, then within a couple of generations, and then if they have two, three or more, and given the birth rate is under two now, and within a few generations, we'll outbreed them. Even if only 80% of them become Christians, we'll still outbreed them. Do you know what I mean? Like, you want to grow a church, the best thing to do is raise up kids who love Jesus. Because the birth rate is so low nowadays that you'll just outbreed them. Right? So anyway, that's a bit kind of guy thinking. Now, some of you will know that um, when it comes to costs, um, let's, you know, really think about it. You might, you might notice that some costs are easier to bear than others, and it's different for different people. So, I'll, for example, I find taking kids to Saturday sport and extracurricular things such a hassle. I hate doing it, right? I find excuses not to do it. But I don't really find it hard to make sure that they make it to church, but for many dads, I know it's the opposite. They love taking their kids to Saturday sport, but they can't get their families to church. And, you know, that's really hard. Well, I find exercising authority easy, but really coming alongside my kids and being understanding and listening to them and sympathizing with them, I find that hard. Others, you might find the opposite. 
right? You don't want to exercise authority, but you find coming alongside them. Um, now, why is it that some of us find some costs easy to bear and other costs hard to bear? Understand that. Well, the difference is because my idols are different to yours. That's the answer, right? What we find easy in terms of cost to pay versus difficult will always reveal something in our hearts about what idols, what, what God replacements are most important to us. My big idols are the idol of personal convenience. That's why I hate taking my kids to Saturday activities because it's inconvenient for me. I'd rather do something else. Comfort, that's another idol. I also have an idol of respect that I want to be thought well of, an idol of control. So I don't mind exercising authority, but I'm inconvenienced by having the long DNM chats with my kids to really understand them. But your idols are going to be different to mine. But be aware that the cost that you find hardest to pay will reveal what's really, truly important in your hearts. And some of them will be God replacements. Right? They're our most treasured idols. So you're only going to be able to pay those prices and costs if you find in the gospel, in Jesus, something much better than the our idols. A much more satisfying alternative right? than the comfort I might experience, than the respect that I might need, or the control I want to exercise. And that's only going to happen if you yourselves are constantly growing in love and appreciation and intimacy with Jesus, right? So it comes back to that kind of, you know, how is your walk with God? Because all of that has an effect on your parenting in a very big way. Your idols will determine what costs you're willing to pay and not pay, right? So that's the, um, the sixth point. Um, but yeah, don't expect it to be easy, don't expect that the fight is going to be, you know, just a walk in the park. Satan will want to do everything he can to undermine your families and your marriages. Okay, so the last point is simply follow up before we have Q&A. Um, I've got a f- some questions there, I think, at the end. As a result of today's seminar, that's not for us to do now. We won't have time to discuss it. But have a think about that. And maybe this is, you know, the next time you and your spouse have a date night or just a time that where your kids are in bed and you, you know, can sit on the couch and instead of Netflix, have a chat about these questions, the action points for your growth, action points to parent growth as a parent, um, action points to helping your children grow. Um, what are points of further discussion? What are some unanswered questions? Okay, so um, have a think about that. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to invite our Q&A panel um, to come up. Maybe if um, those on the panel can just grab your chairs and come up with, with your chairs. So let me introduce them. We've got, um, let's start from seniority first. So we've got John and Melissa Wong. Uh, John and Melissa have two adult boys um, who uh, serve uh, very faithfully and very well in, in, a, in a lot of our ministries at Kingsgrove. Come up, come on, don't, and bring your chairs, bring your chairs. So John and Melissa, give them a round of applause. Um, and then we have Marshall and Julie Scott. Marshall's um, the maturity and mobilization pastor, and Julie, his wife, they have, uh, well, two adult sons, because Bill's over 18 now too, is he? Yeah. So technically two adult sons, although Bill's still in year 12, and um, Daniel is in year six, um, and Doug is definitely an adult, because he's finished high school. Okay, so um, older, more experienced parents. Um, just quickly, John and Melissa, how long have you guys been married? 28 years, coming up to 30. Uh, Marshall and Julie, how long have you been married? So 27 years, yeah. Okay, 27 years, 28 years, so about the same. Um, Kirby and Susan are our other panelists. 
um, because, uh, so quickly, how old are the boys? Nine, seven, and four. So they'll still remember what it's like to have toddlers and babies, okay? Um, and the rest are in primary school. So that's really helpful. And obviously, Karen and I. So um, this is an opportunity for you to ask whatever questions. We've actually got a good 20 minutes for this, and we wanted to make sure we had enough time for this. Um, so whatever questions you've got, and I'll just go back to the Facebook group, and I, th I know there were just a couple of questions on that. But while I search it up, um, who wants to ask the first question? And maybe what I'll do is I'll direct it. Um, or if you particularly want to answer a question, we won't have every question answered by everyone. Otherwise, it'll just take too long. Okay? So, any, any questions to kick us off? You can also ask questions of clarification from um, what Karen and I said as well. Yes, Drew. <laughs> yeah. 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 I know. I, I, yeah, it's a great question. I know what you're asking. Um, yeah. So it's a clarification. Firstly, I, what I don't mean is you raise them like they're adults now. Um, it's just the long-term goal is to raise them to become good adults rather than just you know happy children. Um, and definitely, we need to work out how to, um, you know, educationally, it's all about scaffolding, right? You need to scaffold to the appropriate level. And I'm not the best person to ask with when it comes to little two-year-olds because, um, I, I, yeah, that was a lot of Karen being able to do that well. But maybe um, what I might do is pass, the, pass that question to Kirby and Susan. Like, um, for, for, for someone like a two-year-old, what's kind of an appropriate way of, well, at least ways that you've guys tried discipline that things that have worked, things that haven't worked? In our um, group sharing, we're just talking about public tantrums. <laughs> so, um, I think, and I did learn a lot from Karen as well when we were in Bible study together. One of the things we did follow was the five steps that Paul Tripp, um, who's, a uh, who's a Christian counsellor, recommended and I think that part of that was are you talking about discipline particularly or so um, he he um, and that's just one way authority um, so from the age of zero to five the main theme is establishing parental authority six to twelve more about um, training and after twelve it's more about coaching so I think that the main takeaway at age two was probably still establishing loving authority. Yep, and then, um, uh, so what we often do is we have to make sure they understand who's boss, so that's, if, you, if we don't establish that, it's very hard for any discussion to follow. So we always remind them who's boss, and the boss is God, and then the, the little boss is, is your parents. Um, do you wanna keep going with the next couple of things remember. we used to do. Okay. Uh, well, I was gonna, if I could just chime in though, um, 
and basing it off that loving authority idea, um, one of the things I keep in mind but not, don't do perfectly is the question they are asking as a child to, of their parent and we ask of our Heavenly Father is, do you love me? And I think the moment that I feel that I might have transgressed that trust and love they place in us in however harsh my discipline might be, like it is done for their love and maybe if they don't receive it as love then they receive it as a harsh and overbearing father or mother, uh, then I need to re-examine my heart too um, and then go back to trying to understand the issue and show them love in that context. Like, why were they mucking up? Why were they throwing things around? And yeah, I don't do this perfectly and I think that's something I need to work on. But yeah, that I think that throughout our lives, we're asking our, our earthly parents and our heavenly father, do you love me? You know, that's... Uh, what, what book was that again? Paul Tripp's. I was in a seminar about parenting. Oh, okay. There is a book on that too, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll chase it down. We don't have that on the bookstore, but um, yeah, I think that's probably one of the, yeah, th those kind of five stages and that, that idea. I remember us thinking about those kind of issues as well, um, establishing godly authority, which relates to one of my points. Um, and yeah, that needs to be scaffolded for a two-year-old. There needs to be often, um, you can't reason with a two-year-old, especially when they're terrible twos, but you can have clear boundaries, clear communication, clear expectations, and clear consequences. Um, we've had times where we've had to um, get our kids, while they're crying and screaming, in, in the shopping center to face the wall because that's their consequence at home. And just because they're in a shopping center doesn't mean that they can get away with it. And then all these parents think you're a bad parent because you're there and your kid's in the corner and they're crying their eyes out, but you're like, just ignore them, just ignore them. It's a moment of discipline. And you, know, you have to choose your battles. You can't do that all the time, but you need to be consistent enough so they know mummy and daddy's authority is right. And mummy's daddy's authority is good. You know, we want this for their good. And so we, we ask even a little kid to work out how to say sorry. And then when they're older, what are you sorry for? Mum, dad, I'm sorry for X and Y, you know? And then we also need to model that to them. We say sorry for what, when we need to as well. Yeah, so that's kind of age appropriateness, but you'll be able to help each other a lot more on that than probably um, some of us older parents will, we just don't remember. Um, okay, um, there was a question on godparents. Um, so uh, what's the role of godparents today? This is on the, web, uh, on the group. We don't necessarily think they'll need to take rearing responsibilities in the event of our deaths. Um, but is it, so what is it? Is it just a commitment to pray for the child? In which case, why restrict it to two? I know, um, Marshall, Julie, do, you, do your kids have godparents? Or John and Melissa, is that something you've thought much about? Do you want to just address what, what you think is, at least how you think about godparents? <laughs> we only actually have one son who has a godparent. Um, I think because then we moved overseas, so our eldest son has godparents who are still very close friends of ours who also lived overseas in a very different part of the world for many, many years. Um, so it's not something that we hold strongly to, but I, I sort of wish we had done it for the others, especially um, because most of, uh, except for one brother, none of our siblings are Christians. So I think then for us, as Pete was talking about that fellowship, um, for us, that fellowship of uh, 
different couples, singles as well. Many singles have had a great impact on our kids over the years, on the, especially on the mission field. Um, but yeah, I think it's an individual thing. So it can be great. So it's, it's sort of a nice thing that I know that those guys do pray for um, our kids and have that commitment. But I don't think our other kids really notice that they don't have godparents. So. Um, yeah, look, in short, all of our kids have godparents. Some of them have great godparents. Some of them have pretty neglectful godparents. <laughs> and, you know, when you're first child and, you know, you're still new parents and you ask people to be godparents and they don't have kids, they don't know what that means and you don't know what that means. And, you know, I, did, I don't put too much expectation on them. But a couple of our kids have great godparents. Like, always remember their birthdays, ask us how they can pray for them, you know. But not all of the godparents do that. And that's all right, you know, it just kind of goes with the territory. So if you want godparents, have more than one, it's fine. Like, so Bethany has two sets of godparents and, you know, and that's, that's totally fine. But yeah, we, we do find it helpful to ha know that, you know, there's some really special people in their lives who care for them independently of us. But none of them are in, their will, in our wills. You know, like if, if we all die, that, that somehow they'll go to the godparents. I don't think that's an expectation. Um, another question on, on this, and I might give this to John or Melissa. I would like to hear about strategies or recommendations and how to find ways to have deeper conversations in marriage rather than just talking about the logistics of the kids in the household. Yep. I think I think this is an uh, to be honest, this is an issue that we still struggle with, uh, mainly because like John working uh, in a very demanding job, and so after each day he's really tired, and uh, I think as a wife I try to be understanding, to give him that time of rest, but um, one thing I think is important in marriage is that we need to be honest with each other. Especially now, we married for 28 years. And, um, and whatever we say to each other, we have a common understanding is out of love because sometimes it can sound out to be harsh. And I think from a man's point of view, uh, you sometimes wish that, you know, what comes from your wife could be like, you know, kind of like soft and gentle. But sometimes, you know, we... Uh, have the common understanding that it's our love that we need to instead of being be around the bush We need to get to the point. So before I start sharing about something important I have to remind him that I'm saying this out of love Because even after married for 28 years, there is still misunderstanding if I don't do that I think that is quite common. It's a sinful nature in us that we want to feel like oh you're judging me and I think that's important to remind each other that we're not judging each other. So, yeah, I think uh, it's important to encourage each other to be sincere in our relationship. Uh, even as husband and wife, we have to remind each other that we're also brother and sister in Christ. And that's very important to talk about important things apart from kids, that we have to treat each other like sister and brother in Christ, which means that our ultimate authority is God. And that I'm not saying something to hurt him or I want things done my way. But ultimately, I try to use the Bible that certain things is biblical. And I'm encouraging him that we need to go this way because this is honoring God. And I think John will be honest to say that it hurts 
to come from me, you know. I think um, I'm very honest here uh, to all of you because all of you are married. That I think um, I echo with John that you know that God has given men the final authority to lead the family, and my encouragement is that you have to take this seriously, right? I think the women here will echo with me that uh, we try to encourage our men towards this way but we don't want to feel like we are the final authority, but that God is. So my take on this is that take it seriously because it's, it's an ultimate privilege that God has given you, men. And then women, we're trying to be supportive uh, without feeling that we are the authority. So my encouragement is to, yeah, really do that. Um, out of love, ultimately out of love, definitely. And to glorify God. And also, it's also um, a model for our kids to see that, that, that this loving relationship, even though there is authority. And uh, we really need to pray for marriage. We really need to pray for our kids. Yep. I, think, I think she says it already. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, there's probably, I mean, there's more, and, and here's where, you know, come and, come and chat a little bit more. I'm sure all the couples have struggled with that. Um, like, we find it hard. We, we try and have a, a lunch date on Mondays because that's a common day off. And just n switching to not immediately talk about kids and stuff, it's really difficult. Um, help each other on this one. Pick each other's brains um, because I think that's going to be a lot of good answers. Yeah, I think what we've found is just being intentional and so ever since um, we got married we've tried to have a date once a week uh, and over the years it's been sometimes night, sometimes lunch, sometimes whatever will fit and I think in our minds we're thinking okay this is the time to say how are you really going? Um, you know, to ask each other questions like you know, what are you reading in the Bible at the moment? Uh, what does your next week look like? How can I pray for you? Those are sort of really simple questions to ask, but they often get the, the discussion going in a more meaningful way. And we, yeah, we try and make the rule that don't talk about the children or, <laughs> or ministry or whatever. Like actually just talk about how we're going. Questions? Henry. Yeah. Yeah. So the question is, how do we, how do we, yeah, deal with grandparents? Uh, different expectations, different um, ways that they've raised children, and the way. And some grandparents are happy to be hands off everything. Other grandparents want to comment on everything. Okay, especially now they have a vested interest because it's you know their grandchild. Um, which which of the couples here had had you know a bit more struggle with that? Because I'd love to hear you guys answer. I mean, anyone have had parents or in-laws that has just been like, yeah, we've really had to, because we haven't. We've had both sets of grandparents being really, really supportive, really great. I, I don't know, you guys or? Yeah, we, we've, we've had struggles with that over different times. Um, um, it, it, yeah, I hesitate to kind of offer much advice because it's different culturally too, I recognise it. And even amongst Asian families, there'll be big differences, you know. But um, I think... Like we've struggled with parents at different times, uh, not only offering advice but 
um, lending us money and feeling like that entitles them to, um, you know, have strings attached to the money that they lend us and that's created complications and stuff like that. I think I think during those times we've had to, firstly Julie and I have had to be on the same page. That's really important because that can create tension. If one set of parents is pulling us one way and then the, you know, the spouse is pulling the other way. Um, but to be clear that, um, you know, the principle of, in... Um, um, God's principle for marriage that you leave and, and you leave your previous household, you leave your parents and you cleave to your um, husband and wife. Uh, I think that's really important to remember that, that we, we mustn't become enmeshed with, with our parents, otherwise it creates all sorts of problems. So trying to work out what that means um, and trying to put an appropriate level of distance um, between our parents and that's it's not always easy but, but um, yeah I think that's something that we've tried to work at um, yeah uh, I think that's definitely come chat a bit more to these guys um, yeah because it's I think for some uh, parent parent relationships it's, it's going to be an ongoing thing um, yeah but I think what Marshall said is absolutely correct about that um, okay uh, question Ike. Oh yeah, you want to you want to speak to it? I'm just gonna give you the mic. I'm gonna hold the mic in front of you because we're recording this. Um, I think for I don't have any advice. I could just share our experience. Um, it hasn't been bad or horrible. It's just been, um, I think we've had one side which is a little bit overbearing, and another side's kind of over enthusiastic, and it's not in a bad way. It's Sort of just, uh, uh, for me, it was a confrontation to our schedule, I suppose. Um, like excess amounts of food or like just different ways of um, parenting or advice. And I think the only thing that was maybe, maybe a, bit, a bit of advice I could share was just being aligned as a, like a married couple on where we stand. Um, so, I think, for example, um, like lots, lots of Chinese traditions that, you know, get handed down from generation to generation, some helpful, most unhelpful. Um, and so, just having a conversation with Tab around where we stand with that um, and being aligned there. Or, like, with my mum, she just creates an excess amount of food, which is, is great, but also... Um, a little bit overbearing and trying to have the conversation ourselves around how we feel about that because ultimately all goes, some of it goes to waste um, and trying to have a conversation with mum as well goes sometimes goes well sometimes doesn't go that well but. great no thanks for that and chat a bit more to these guys yeah it's helpful we probably have time for just one more question so um, I know there's probably heaps more but the whole point of the fellowship is, you know, especially if um, you get a chance to come to our group, um, you have lots of opportunities to pick our brains, pick each other's brains. Um, that's part of the this is the design of the format, where there's a lot of chat time. And, um, one more question. Grace. 
Ja. Okay, practical advice for disciplining toddlers. Yeah? Other kind of advice to give? Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Do, do you guys have any that you, that you, you guys did? Just quick ones? I would say this fall into the freedom um, category. There's no, uh, you know, the, do you smack? Do you not smack? That, that's probably... What did you guys do? We had cot... We had cot time. We have had the odd occasion where there would have been a um, a smack on the wrist. Um, but we use the cot, and some people don't like to use the cot because that creates the negative association with sleep. But we haven't found that to be a problem in our case. Uh, and in public, we sometimes go back into the car, so the car's really helpful or the toilets. <laughs> I don't know if you're looking for that. Um, any other parents of, you know, toddlers, especially now they're no longer toddlers, maybe you can, can add, chime in. What have you found helpful? What hasn't worked? Sorry. Just. So we've got a five-year-old and um, for me as a dad, I've found that our kids actually respond in different ways. Um, so, um, I can lose my call pretty quickly and I found that that sometimes escalates the issue or makes our child even worse. So actual, um, I was actually very sceptical of it at, at the beginning before we actually had kids but um, having calm collected but sturdy conversations with our children has actually worked and um, surprisingly uh, positive reinforcement works um, quite well um, and our kids actually thrive from um, that, that as well. Um, I'm a, I was very much a big sceptic of all that um, prior. I thought it was always the, the back of the hand would work, but <laughs> that doesn't work uh, at all. Um, and, and we, and we're, we're, okay. Oh, and we've got just recently implemented like a, posi um, a, a what do we call it, a reward a chart, reward chart yeah. which is yeah. ticks on a yeah. sheet and you get to 20 and you get something, so. And they get to choose what they want. So they, they're working towards something as well. Yeah. And it's taken more than 20 days. Like, because it's not like, you know, every week they get a prize. Yeah. That's, yeah, yeah often. Yeah. yeah, we've done that too, right? We still have reward charts for some of our young ones. Um, did you want to add anything, um, Karen? Did you say? I, I resonate with that, that it's different for each child because um, we used to do something like the wall called Stand and Think. And I think that was from Steve Biddulph. Um, he's written a number of books, I think Raising Happy Children or something. And that was like a minute for every year of their age that they had to just, the point is that they are there and they have to stay there and think about what, what they've done. <laughs> and then you go and talk to them and hopefully you're calm by then as well. And that worked for some of our children. Um, but then our last one, didn't respond to that at all and he'd have to go to his room and have some time out and he'd have longer than his age because he's just got very fiery personality and just takes a while to calm down and yeah it's di different for every child I think. 
There you go. That's why it's hard. Um, so Steve Bidoff has been helpful for us. Not a Christian writer, but he's got some helpful stuff on raising boys, raising girls, and probably toddler stuff as well. Um, uh, look, there's a lot of questions you probably have, um, and these guys have only kind of chimed in one question each. Part of the reason we've got them up here is not just so they can answer all the questions here, but because you'll know who they are now. All right, so... Um, John and Melissa go to Kingsgrove, as, as do Kirby and Susan. Um, Marshall uh, and Julie are primarily, Julie's primarily going to come to Kingsgrove, but Marshall's across both congregations. You know where we are, we're across both. Um, you, you look around, see each other, um, connect with each other, ask each other. That's the whole point, um, the fellowship point. Um, I'm just going to wrap up. A um, couple more things. One is, um, you'll notice on your, on your um, tables, something about, uh, oh, I don't have it here. A marriage, building better marriages. Um, Jim and Leslie Ramsey are retired um, uh, ministers. Uh, Leslie Ramsey, some of you women, if you've been in the kind of women's Katoomba type circuits or equipped circuits, Leslie uh, does a lot of speaking, used to especially. Um, and uh, they're going to come to our church uh, in June, June the 1st. So note down that date. And they're going to run a whole day marriage workshop. This is for married, as well as I think we'll invite engaged couples to come along too. Um, it's going to be all day, and because it's all day, nine to five, there won't be childminding. So this is your call-in favors in advance day. Um, there'll be morning tea, lunch, and afternoon tea provided for you. There'll probably be just a small nominal charge just to cover costs. Um, and their recommendation is after the 5 p.m. finish time, couples, keep the babysitting happening so you can go out for dinner and just have some time to date and discuss and Okay, so it's going to be a big commitment, but it's going to be worth it. We haven't done this for years, all right? So 9 to 5, all day. June the 1st is not on here, but this is just a flyer that they sent us. So feel free to take um, uh, a copy home, and we'll let you know more about it coming up. But yeah, just um, save the date. Your marriages are the key foundation to your parenting as well. So that's worth investing in. Um, and we only do those kind of things every, every couple of years, every few years. Um, the last thing is, on the back of your booklets, the last page is a QR code as well as a website. We'd love for you to fill out a feedback form online. You don't have to do it now. Um, and I will remind you uh, on Facebook or whatever to do, to do do that at some point because that will really help us. Um, part of the questions will be, um, do you want to do something like this again? Are there topics that you particularly want to explore together? You want to do that again this year? Or are you happy, you know, um, to leave it for the rest of the year because of busy schedule? We'd love to know. We'd love to know what's going to be helpful for you. We'd also love to know, especially if you would like to be part of our little experiment of an of a all-in CG starting next Saturday. Um, so those are some of the questions uh, on that uh, feedback form as well as what you find helpful, what do you think we can improve. So if you get a chance to please fill that in. Other than that, um, I'm going to close in prayer because we did advertise 11.30 finish. Though, you don't have to rush off. There's still food and the coffee machine has finally arrived. Um, so if you want like freshly ground real coffee through, yeah, please go for it. Um, let me pray and then, um, yeah, feel free to leave if you need to, but hang around and chat some more if you can. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for today and we thank you that we got an opportunity to fellowship and learn together and we really pray that um, we as well as other parents um, of, uh, of, of, of children, young or older, might at our church um, be able to encourage each other, grow together, and bring glory to Christ through our families. We pray this in his name. Amen. All right, thanks everyone for making the time. I know it's a couple of hours of very precious time. Um, feel free to hang around, help us finish some food, and...
yeah, we'll see you at church tomorrow. And thank you, panel. <laughs>